there are wins within your job, and FinOps is one of them, mm-hmm. where you can meet the agendas of this guy, this guy, and this guy, and right. this guy or gal, mm-hmm. right, uh, with one simple strategy. Hey everybody, Brian Hoagley here with Side Channel. Welcome back to Sizzle Life. I am super excited to have here today the other founder of Side Channel, my good friend and partner, Taylor Lehman. Good morning. No special clap from me. I'd say like maybe when I started my career, that focus started at that layer three, layer four. Sure. Right? In physical attacks, we were really concerned about how secure the thing was in the rack in the data center. Right. Right? Without realizing that, you know, most of the fun could be had at higher layers in the stack. So not to go total geek out, but we've transitioned from being really super focused on physical security, although that's important. It is important. and uh, and But it deserves our time. Our, our time is more interestingly spent protecting each other and protecting our systems and our sites and our people and our staff and our apps. Right. Focusing on that app and presentation layer. I've had this discussion before with somebody where we looked at kind of like security 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, however you kind of want to break it up where it's like back in, let's say, you know, like pre, I would even say like pre probably 2000, like 2006. And then you had like this 2006 to 20, I would say probably 2015. And then you had this 2015. 2015 plus like before 2006 it was all very you know you were we were securing data centers we were worried about servers literally walking out of data centers usbs like stealing data people just walking out and then it became oh now it's network really network based but it was it still wasn't you know where i think now it's application right so you had like network security and then you had application security kind of become... I think we've like gotten better at these things. Oh, yeah, yeah, Just yeah. The, the, the focuses were like... The, the bars move up. Here, here, and here. And, and now everyone's... And closer to the user, too, right? Right. So, you know, the the distance between this guy... This is like a friendly Buffalo Bill. I got the blue. Maybe I'll get a little red in there, too. Very patriotic little stick figure. Um, whereas he's really far from here. Right. And yet for a long time... We thought the, the emphasis needed to be on protecting this first, right, and this last, right, because right. nobody understands this, right, or or even the the network area, which is probably why now you see organizations right. the the amount of spend that they had in this area, right, business yeah. continuity, disaster recovery, data center security, physical security, and it's weaker in these right. areas. So like the attack surface, eventually, right, we lost this part when we killed physical, right. Right, the network's getting stronger. Right, we're right. very perimeter focused, or have been for a long time, and so when we started crushing network security, getting good at that, right, the attack surface shrunk to the, kind of this piece, mm-hmm. and right now we're playing in this little world, right, where so much emphasis has been getting here and here, yet we've still got a majority chunk, according to this fabulous diagram that we've made. We just made um, up. This is technically part of where boom was right at one point yep this was it as well right right but now we're still playing over here and there's lots of little booms happening daily and this is why we push you know the really important three controls you talk about we've talked about Mm -hmm. um the things that save your butt here happen to be more often patching two-factor or multi-factor right 
and strong email hygiene. In fact, right. those are the three things that if people got really, really good at, you, we're going to start to see the shift away from this layer to whatever else is over here. Would you say money? Money and politics, politics. Yeah. right? Right. Um, who knows what that's going to look like? But there's so much opportunity here. It'll be, we it'll be. I think you know what we're saying. we we always joked about it when we when we talked about layer you know the layer eight and nine. Everyone always says, oh, it's money and politics. But you know the CISO being in the C-suite, right? When you look at it, it's organizational representation structure. This is actually the area where security is being changed or being kind of fought over. Who does the CISO report to? How much funding do you get to be able to implement any of these types of controls? Right. Right. How whose funding does it come out of? Because it's not like this magic money tree now comes up and you're like, oh, here's a whole pot of cash. It's going to come out of some PL. It's going to come out of an IT budget. It's going to come out of whatever organization maybe you fall underneath now. Maybe you report to legal. Maybe you report to finance. Maybe the CIO is the security organization. What's up, guys? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, so there's definitely like the controls and the things you need to be good at sh shift left to right as well. Right. Oh, yeah. So to your point, like business acumen, savvy, the ability to move a boardroom, tell a story, right. secure a path forward, really important. But also like you're starting to see things like the FinOps movement. How familiar are you with this? You I'm can, not, no. Tell so me. FinOps is, you know, uh, it's a it's a term. I think it takes many meanings, but it's really the um, managing your IT through the amount it costs you to run it. The screen is clear. This is amazing. <laughs> Just as I was about to make some killer points. So you were going to talk about FinOps. FinOps. So FinOps, um, similar to the term DevOps we've heard before, which I, I like to define as just DevOps. People just being nice to each other. I like um, that. <laughs> which is about breaking down silos across the organization who makes products and then ensuring that the products have a, have a pull through a manufacturing process and in the case mm -hmm. in a software company it's building software so that it can be released quickly and it's right. high quality um, FinOps kind of extends that whole idea of um, you know automating and working up and downstream to have a really efficient uh, process to build things FinOps is kind of the next layer where you know instead of manufacturing software for right. an organization and getting into production, FinOps takes the takes the approach with influencing culture and strategy around accountability for um, spending money. Um, so cloud ops or cloud services like Amazon, we talked about a, a minute ago. Amazon, Azure, these cloud right. services they they offer the ability to rent hardware and software for a service. Right. Um, when that became a thing, people started growing to it. People loved the idea. It's an easy way to get into the cloud, build software, create value for customers, sell it, run it, mm -hmm. scale it quickly. Um, but it created this issue where there was a lot of new compute getting deployed, right? So right. new systems, new servers getting pushed out. Sprawl. Sprawl. Right. Sprawl occurred. Becomes an issue. It's an issue for security perspective because who's going to keep track of all that stuff, right? right. And small, medium-sized businesses love the cloud right? Love this unlimited compute potential, but don't also love the fact that, hey, it may not be a great idea to let anybody in the company just spin up a server with customer data on of it. Of course not, right. Right. That's so, a, that's the downside to saying, hey, I don't have to have an IT organization to have to manage right. all of this. Still got to do security. Right. Right. Still got to manage all this stuff. Right. Right. right? 
Um, many organizations are ill prepared for it. Right. Right. They just want to get in and run it. Right. right. And, but the cloud is the wild west. It's a, it's the Spider Man complex, right? With great power comes great responsibility. Right. It's like Spider Verse Two is coming out, by the way. But yeah, I love Spider Man, and that is a great example. I mean, we creating these networks that just grow and grow and grow until the point they're unsustainable, not just to secure them, but also financially. But the two actually work together really interestingly. Mm -hmm. So, you know. As much of it a business problem as it is for companies to operate in the cloud with this kind of unmanaged perspective that we see so much of. Right. You know, this, we see the S3 buckets, yeah. you know, public storage being used in weird ways. It's a lot because we can't keep track <laughs> of all this cloud stuff that we got going on. Right. FinOps is an interesting take on that. So FinOps is the operating model for the cloud. So it looks at that financial, um, the financial issues created by the sprawl, mm -hmm. and it pushes practices, methods, and activities to manage the sprawl, yep. which in doing so actually contribute greatly to cybersecurity posture. Sure. So let's just say, Brian, you and I work for a company. You've got a thousand AWS accounts. I've got a hundred. You've got lots of personal data. I've got lots of personal data uh, in a non-FinOps world and pure just cloud world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we could be managing our servers, our resources, whatever, to two very different cost points, but it's very easily possible that my 100 accounts could cost a hell of a lot more than your 1,000. Sure, because your compute could be, right. you know. So it's, it's that know. variable. Now, it. FinOps comes down and says, why do you have 1,000? Why right. do you have 100? Can you do it with less? Right. Right? Can you optimize the resources you have to cost less? Therefore, reducing the amount of servers and services, potentially mm -hmm. reducing the amount of data you're storing. Right. So looking at it from all those angles, you will quickly realize there's things you can start pulling out of these cloud deployments that actually save you money and right. make you more efficient and force you to re-architect things and be innovative sure. to come in. Great for the business, but awesome for cyber because the, the biggest problem I think we'd, we'd all agree that we that we see, especially when SideChannel goes in to talk to customers, is where's all your stuff? Right. Right? And there's all sorts of stuff, especially if these organizations have not adopted a financial accountability model like FinOps. The first thing usually that any smart security person would do is say, hey, let's not try to secure all the stuff. Let's get down to the very stuff What's that matters. Critical. Yep. Let's let's kill the stuff that's not valuable or that right. creates risk for us. Critical first, ancillary next. Right. Focusing on... And oftentimes a great argument in doing that that sits with the C-suite well, well is... And we can do it for less money. Right, which is ideal. Right. So looking at maybe orienting your cloud security approach a little bit more to, you know, not just let's put all the antiviruses on all the things. Mm -hmm. Like, let's look at have we deployed our systems and services in a way that maximize value, lower cost, and in doing so, reduce our attack surface. Right. So those two things actually work together really nicely. That makes sense. So if you're somebody who's maybe not even in the cloud, you could probably apply financial operations, or that's at least, however you want to call it, that same lens to your on-prem organization, like, right. again, critical security control number one and two. Do you know what you have in hardware? Do you know what you have in software? Basically, do you know what you have? Also important question for the CFO. Right. Because he wants the same answer. Right. Right. Yeah. But think, though, less is better. Simple is better. Less complex cloud deployments right. cost you less money and are probably more secure. Well, yeah. Inherently. Right. You have a smaller attack surface. Exactly. You have smaller things to manage. So you're going to make your CFO happy. You're going to make your CIO happy. You're going to make the CISO happy. Ultimately, you're going to make the CEO, the shareholders, whoever, the organization. You're going to be able to drive down costs for the consumer You know, on the, uh, on the tail end. But you're right. Like These three folks having an alignment on what do we have. 
right? I mean, like, take it to, uh, I mean, again, I think a lot of folks that we've talked to aren't necessarily all in the cloud. They maybe have some, we don't call it legacy, but some older, you know, uh, constructs for their org. Yeah, cloud just makes it easier for right, them to sure, make sure. changes. It's just a, it's just no a piece of real cost. estate. And that's where I was going. I was right. like, this is just a real estate play. Why do you have, uh, you know, a, 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 an office that, or a building that you own that isn't fully rented out, you're not maximizing your space, but you're paying for it. You're doing the same thing in the cloud, where it's like, right. why do you have all of this when you can just be, you know, set up in a in a smaller, you know, 500 square foot um, space instead of having this, you know, 10,000 foot square space? Right. Like, why did you get this whole, like, I understand you wanted to have growth. The beauty about uh, cloud is that you can start out with a 500 square foot um, office space, and then as you need it, you can immediately move the walls out. Right. And the, the walls allow you to move back and forth, and you can address, you know, it's like, oh, I don't have, you know, 100 entry points, you know, now into this organization. That Surprisingly makes useful security right. control. Exactly. Right. Yeah, knowing what you got and then having less of it. Like, right. Awesome. Yeah. And it, uh, again, it, it goes back to the rest of the C-suite that you want right. to, you're, you're trying to, as a CISO, work with and not just be this, you know, stepchild off of, you know, IT. That's like, go take care of the things while yes. we go this, you know, do the, business. This insecure, adversarial, got to secure it all, got to own it all. Yet there are wins within your job, and FinOps is one of them, mm -hmm. where you can meet the agendas of this guy, this guy, and this guy, and right. this guy or gal, mm -hmm. right, uh, with one simple strategy, yeah. which is find ways to do more with less and be more secure because of it. Yep. Boom. So coming back, we were going to talk about um, like IoT inside of the enterprise of the corporate. And, and again, in your previous role or, or in your current role, right, you've seen yeah. that having been a CISO. So now you have oversight of you know where it is in the environment. And it's interesting; people kind of gloss over what you know what's connected and what what constitutes IoT and yeah. what's something as a CISO or a security practitioner you should have eyes on. That previously people were like, oh, that's yeah, whatever. I don't, I'm not going to pay attention to that because that's not a computer or a server. <laughs> Or there's a person that's not behind it. Like, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I, I'd say um, I think it's interesting. Every time I talk about IoT and organizations and peers and colleagues say, "Oh, that's not an issue for me." Right. It's an issue for everybody. Right. Um, in fact, this light board that we're on, I'm pretty sure, is somehow siphoning personal data off us right now. <laughs> uh, but not to not to be paranoid. IoT is everywhere, right? And it's not it's not new. No, it's right. Not it. Like it's been around for years and years and years, way before I before I was even in the computer science field, frankly. Um, and I think it's increasingly um, it's it's what the only thing that has changed is that it's become increasingly more important for us to understand it and manage it. So you were alluding to this, but I used to run security for a large hospital system. Right. Um, you know more connected devices than people, more connected devices than laptops and desktops. Sure. Um, I would argue that it's, that's probably true for most organizations, whether they're hospitals or not. Yeah. Um, actually, it, it's true for actually just about any household. Yeah. If you actually think about how many people with a pulse do you have in your house versus how many items in your house have an IP address. Do oh, that. Do more. that quick count, right? Like I know I have three people that live in my home. We're outnumbered at least three to one on IoT devices to humans. Sure, I believe it. So it's it's definitely evident for companies, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I think companies need to understand their IoT problem, you know. But 
for for the most part, you know, IoT or Internet of Things or connected devices, whatever you want to call them, right. play an increasingly important role. And so we're gonna we're gonna do our best to draw some pictures and, and create the kind of point we're getting at. So in a hospital and in your home, many of these places share IoT profiles. Sure. Like. So if I'm gonna do house, ooh, you got the house. I'll do the house. You can do the hospital. I'll do the hospital. So I would see. You've got a fridge. I would say you've got a fridge. That's my bad-looking fridge. Maybe you even have a ring doorbell, or you've got a webcam. You've got a router. You've got a TV. So we have... This is the old-school TV. Millennials, you don't know what this is. These are rabbit ears. We have wireless um, drug pumps, pumps that um, connect uh, different types of IV fluids or prescriptions. Sure. We have these little things called intravenous um, IV tubes that deliver the drugs, and those drugs are manipulated and scheduled and dispersed using computer software that's connected to the network. Right. We have these things. This should look familiar. So these are beds? That's a bed. So these beds have onboard computers with Wi-Fi antennas that track their location wherever they are in the position that they're in. Mm -hmm. um, and so when somebody who just had back surgery lays down in one of these beds, you begin to care very much about how that wireless feature is working and whether that device is up to date and has appropriate antivirus on it. Because in both cases, if this goes wrong and delivers the drug at the wrong prescription or dosage, or the wrong dosage yeah. and this guy with spine surgery's bed goes from laying flat to laying like full crunch style, there's, you're going to have a bad day. The, the individual is going to be in, in, in a serious problem physically. So that's like the same IoT as the little Cameron doorbell. I mean, in some right, cases, yeah. that Cameron doorbell is more sophisticated software on it uh, than that does. And, and unfortunately, these devices, um, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago when they were conceived, uh, and this is true for a lot of the stuff we're buying in our home, didn't, you know, are designed to run for a very, very long time, right. the hardware, but the software isn't designed to keep up with the, the, the changing and, sure. and, and the changing of time. So like the devices outlive the ability to, for them to be supported, right. which creates a huge issue. That's actually very true in the industrial control and SCADA space. Yeah. Um, if you see um, what's known as operational technologies, right? So you've got kind of like large scale manufacturing where let's say you have some like large turbine action, you know, it's doing something on a, uh, you know, or some type of, uh, you know, um, manufacturing capability on like a on a floor, right? Um, you'll see these multi, you know, say this is a twenty million dollar machine that produces parts. Okay, it's connected to and uh, Matt Llewellyn from Cybody, go check him out. He termed the uh, he coined the term cyber archaeology on this. Hmm. Um, when I went for my GICSP, uh, which is the Industrial Control System Professional uh, designation, the uh, uh, he was my uh, uh, teacher and instructor for this, he, he would say that, you know, as he did audits and, and reviews of manufacturing and OT environments, he would run across regularly um, these multi-million dollar machines that were running on NT4, right? Like, and there was no way to upgrade the Windows, system, NT4. Windows NT4, right? There was no way to upgrade the software because the hardware had no way to interoperate with the right. upgraded version. So you were stuck with this old... Right, and the early option Legacy. was to, to to go blow a couple million bucks to brand new machine to get the brand new machine, which did the only thing it did more 
Right. Then the old machine was a random modern system that Correct. could be patched. And that's so not worth that the capital well, investment. Well, that trade-off decision isn't 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 falling on the side of safety today. No. Um, or finances. Yeah, or finance. Well, like, I mean, so you know, one could prioritize human safety over finance, and you'd be a winner in my book. So I think but, for you, for your examples, yes, but for manufacturing, yeah. right? If it's just Different. producing producing widgets or producing yeah. parts. No, no person in their right mind is going to sink another $20 million just because this operating system right. can't be upgraded. If it poses no human safety or OSHA or any other concern around you know, human yeah, or life no. safety, that's not going to be upgraded. Then you have to start looking at how do you protect right. this. And some of that actually translates to the consumer space. Alan Alford well, just had a great talk on And it on, translates on here, this. too. Those yeah. protection strategies are key. But one, just before, because I think sure. we should jump to that. No, 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 it's fine. I mean, this is exactly... Alan had a whole thing on consumer-grade This uh, is exactly the point. Well, uh, Alan quality. is a boss. Yeah, he so is. So I can't imagine everything Alan says is pretty much people should listen to. Um, they actually have the opportunity. Go check out David Sparks' uh, podcast with right. Alan Alford. Alan's the man. Um, printers. Oft overlooked. Oh, yeah. Huge. How do you draw a print? Okay, ready? Printer. <laughs> like, and this is like paper coming out of the printer, bendy paper. Um, printer, you've got thermostats, right? right. They're shooting data off in every direction. Sure. Um, you know, you may not think, oh, thermostats, that's not a big deal. I'm okay with that not being patched. Well, I'm from Buffalo. Yeah. And if the thermostat in the hospital gets turned off right. in Buffalo in March, yep. you got a problem, yep. right? Well, this is like the physical world yeah, and the digital world together, right? are like going like this on IoT. That's and, and that's exactly and, what and, operational and, technologies and people, are. People don't, space. they miss this piece. Yeah. The, the best single example I can get to before we jump to the protection strategy stuff is it's not just like these things you can touch and feel that are outside of you or plugged or, you know, physically represented. Right. You know, in, increasingly in medicine, a lot of the equipment we're implanting in people's bodies yeah. to deliver care daily sure. can be accessed through... Yeah. You know, Bluetooth, Wi-Fi. That's why Cheney, and some... uh, uh, Dick Cheney, uh, former vice president, specifically asked for the, um, I think it was the defibrillator that went into... Implant a cardiac defibrillator. Yeah, yeah. that went into his uh, chest. He specifically asked for the analog, the older version, even though at the time, the Wi-Fi enabled version had already been come out, it had been right. tested, it was shown to be safe, but he didn't want the ability for somebody to, um, you know, wirelessly control or possibly kill him. I was like... Yeah. And I think, you know, when we look back, I even think back to that story, and it happened, year, obviously, years ago, because it happened while he was, I think it was just after, during uh, the Bush administration. You know, people kind of laughed at it, like, well, why don't you take, you know, technology seriously? It's safe. You know, everyone's using it. And he was like, he actually had the foresight to be like, yeah, no, there's probably a problem that could come out of this. I don't want to have to yeah. have this thing replaced. Don't open me back up no. just to, like, undo no. this. No, I mean, this, I mean, he's right, though, too, like... There are decisions being made in the design of these modern products that just make absolutely no sense when you step back from them. Right. So for like that example, that's a great example of um, maybe luck, maybe forward thinking, but you know one of the best protection strategies you can take, the first and, and probably most important beyond understanding the IoT you have on your network is is preventing it from talking to sure. other things. So exactly. this thing called network segmentation where we put computers like this on a network today that often looks like this one big flat happy network right everyone can talk to everyone right right so the iot can talk to the computers which are reading the emails where the clicks are being clicked and the docs are being opened and voila the problems of the weakest link on your network is the thermostat is the thermostat or is the computer that finds the thermostat yep. and takes the thermostat down on its way to taking everything else down sure right and so the way you do the way you fix that is same sort of boxes the network. Yep. 
you have a computer. Brian, do you want to draw? Actually, I wanted to get in here. I was like, you could easily just, how do you just segment your network, right? How do you just take your user space, segment it from your IoT space, segment it from the servers, create, you know, the DMZ between you and the internet, right? right? I mean, it's, it's, everyone kind of like poo-poos the whole like bastion host, you know, castle moat theory thing, but this stuff still applies. It's as basic as network segmentation. Your users should not be on the same networks as your servers or IOTs. Ideally, if you mature enough, you get to a point where your HR department's not even on the same network as finance. Like there's no reason that those two systems, exactly. like user space should even communicate. You should have the ability to communicate to the systems you need, but necessarily not you to should, each And other. this is very risk-based, right? You need to think about where the bad things occur. Most right. often they are on your user networks. Um, and then how and where they can get based on the access profile of your typical user. Right. You need to take that into account. The other thing to take into account in the Cheney example is, look, some equipment is old, right? The only way to protect it is to shut it off from being able to be used by things other than the thing that needs it. Right. In the Cheney example, he said no wireless because there's no, should never be a reason for uh, something that's implanted in my chest to, to be talking to the internet. So basically prevent that. Right. But it, which, which is also interesting, uh, if you look at some of how some of this equipment is being manufactured, literally there are implanted cardiac defibrillator devices that have a cloud controlling component. So not right. only are they connected to the internet, but they're connected to the internet that everyone can access and right. use, and, and that's how they're designed. The same thing happens in in the OT space. I, I went to a, a conference uh, recently that had a whole ma- a whole floor of new vendors and solutions, and their biggest thing was, oh, you can access and control all from these systems anywhere. from like, anywhere. That's it's a like, good thing. That's a, a terrible g- thing. It's a great idea. <laughs> But probably applied poorly. Like right. again, it's it's. I think it's back to the no two factor on those portals. Oh, you can you can no. guarantee it because no. they're not <laughs> they're not even thinking about the basic security premise. Right? No. So. There's there's stories that I've heard and um, I've seen one where we um, you know uh, substations for power grids right right were able to be communicated to via Bluetooth because they had set it up from from where the guy could sit in the car safely outside of even the fence link. The reason was because the power companies had figured out there's a higher probability of an issue or a, or a, a worker injury if he enters the fence line to then go do work, mm. right? It makes sense, right? You're coming closer to the power or if you're near that, you can, you know, something could happen. So they created a Bluetooth capability f- for him to be able to easily diagnose the substation from the convenience of that distance well, that distance is still accessible by somebody else should they figure out the right Bluetooth and have a Pringles all that, can or have the, yeah, yeah, and have all that access. So it's right. like, it's great in theory, it's great with the intent, but the execution, right, right. is poor. And like, like you're saying, like, these all have the same exact play out, and it's all because they're within this IoT space, which is right. mass produce a product create a system with a capability that allows you to easily monitor and manage it. It's all about efficiency. But don't take into account the security controls that are required because it either costs too much, it's too hard to do, we wanted to get the, the product out to market, or right. it just wasn't even part of the design thinking. Right. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Hey, everybody. I want to thank you for watching today and listening. Uh, hit the subscribe button uh, up below. Check out any of the other videos previously. I want to thank my guest today, Taylor Lehman from Athena Health, CISO there, and being on CISO Life. Taylor, what can they find you on Twitter? Twitter, uh, Boston Cyber Guy, and Twitter, and LinkedIn, uh, just by searching Taylor Lehman or T Payne. That's right. <laughs> hey, Brian Hoagley again. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Check you next time.